didn't fall? Inconceivable! You keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Welcome to the Scripture and Plain Reason Podcast. An engaging podcast where we affirm the authority and the clarity of Scripture. Uh, my name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Uh, well, you heard a, a quote from Princess Bride as our intro, and, and we're going to get right into this episode because we have a lot of stuff to cover. And Brian, we're going to talk a lot about biblical justice and how it compares to social justice and racial justice. Why don't we start off? Can you give our listeners a good sense of what does biblical justice mean? Yeah, and maybe we should explain why we use that quote, besides both of us love the Princess Bride, but Unigo Montoya was saying, you're using a word, and I don't think it means what you think it means, and uh, we're kind of using that because we heard Vody Bachman use it in one of his presentations about this whole concept of social justice, and as we were mentioning in our last episode, it's one of those things where the church, in many cases, and Christians— have heard that word and assumed that it means the same thing as biblical justice, but they actually aren't the same thing. Biblical justice and social justice are actually, in a lot of ways, completely opposite. So I thought it would be a good idea for you to remind us, I think you started the last episode off with some pretty common definitions of social justice, and then we'll look at um, a scripture and some contrast between social justice and biblical justice. Sure. The Oxford Advanced Learner's Dictionary defines social justice as the fair distribution of wealth and opportunities within a society. And Dictionary.com defines social justice as fair treatment of all people in a society, including respect for the rights of minorities and equitable distribution of resources among members of a community. So in both those definitions, did you notice, I'm sure you did, but the synonym for social justice, according to the collective common definition is distributive justice. So justice isn't just about equality, it's about equity. So it's going, about outcomes. Going back to Marxism here. Correct. So we've gone full circle in our plastic people in a liquid world that this is not about equality, this is about equity. So would you mind, you gave us great definitions on the um, social justice front, Ryan, but could you read Micah 6, 1 to 8 for all of us? Because that's going to give us a good snapshot of what we see throughout the scriptures on what biblical justice is. So we've got social justice on this side that really refers to distributive justice, not equality, but equity. So everybody has the same outcome. But here, we let's hear what biblical justice is. Micah 6, hear what the Lord says, arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear you, mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt, and redeemed you from the house of slavery. And I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O oh, my people, Remember what Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord, and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? 
Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Yeah, so immediately we see that biblical justice is not optional. It's a sin if we don't do it. Yep. Biblical justice is rising up to the level of God's moral law, and it refers to the equality that every image bearer, which is every other human, deserves. And so we're to treat one another righteously. We're to treat one another compassionately. We're to treat and love our neighbor as we want to be treated and loved ourselves. So we see biblical justice here in terms of equal treatment. And so we could say, even under our democratic republic, equal treatment under the law, because we are all created equal by God. And as believers, we understand that we've been redeemed in equality Mm -hmm. at the foot of the cross. So that's biblical justice. And we're supposed to rise to treat people with respect, with love, and with justice. We're to treat one another righteously. But on this other side, social justice is saying it's actually distributive. We're not talking about equality. We're talking about equity of outcomes. So therefore, anybody who has a better or a different, which would seem enviable outcome than another, they are immediately the ones that are not doing justice. The only way they could do justice is to elevate the other person to their same level so that there's equal outcome. And what I heard Vody speak to as well in that clip you sent me was interesting how justice only applies for certain situations, right? So if a NBA team has all black people on it, That's justice because black people are the minority. They're the oppressed. But if there was a work environment that was full of white people, Mm. that is not justice because the black people and other minorities are underrepresented. That's right. So it's all about outcomes. They basically had three steps in social justice. And again, this was the train. I didn't realize I'd gotten in one of the (laughs) boxcars and exactly where it was going. But they try to identify disparate groups. These are groups that are having less than equitable outcomes. So anybody who is looked at as the person who's kind of the second place or or third place or the underdog, they're not equal in that particular category. They're identified as the person who needs to be treated justly. And the way you treat them justly is by allowing them to have equitable outcomes, even if they don't have the same abilities, even if they don't have the same means, those are considered injustices. So now I hope our listeners can see how all of these topics now converge. So you can imagine that the engine on this train, we would call it critical race theory or wokeness or critical theory. And then you've got boxcars that are connected to it. And so you're going to have a boxcar called racial justice. And then you're going to have a boxcar called LGBTQIA+. And then you're going to have a boxcar on on maybe even more gender theory or a climate boxcar mm-hmm. uh, because now we need climate justice. There needs to be equity in everything, educational. So you look at those boxcars and you may say, well, I want to get on that one. I want to, I want to make sure that those people have equitable outcomes. But you don't realize you've actually gotten on a train that is pointed towards 
there can never be any disparities in outcomes. Everything has to be equitable. So imagine that not only in the illustration you gave, but one of the illustrations we could think about would be outcomes of birth order. You think about our children and their birth order. There's something to it. You you see sometimes the oldest has a, a personality. Maybe it's more of a driver, more of a A personality. Yeah, a and, type. Yeah. yeah. And then you have you have your other children, middle child. Middle child always gets a bad rap. And then you got your baby. And we see that there are differences in birth order. According to social justice, though, that's inequity. And that needs to be addressed. So we have injustice in birth order. But even further than that, think about Jesus's, his parable about the talents and how that he'd given one person so many talents, another this many talents, and this one this many talents. And he never expected for the one that only got one talent to necessarily have as many as the one he had given to. He wanted to see each of them invest according that they had, not that they had not. And the Lord Jesus is teaching in there that there are not always equitable outcomes, but there certainly can be justice given because to whom much is given, he says in that text, much is required. This idea now is causing universities, we were talking about this offline, Mm -hmm. universities to actually say, hey, we've got to change our entrance exam because is it Harvard? There's Mm -hmm. too many Asians that are being accepted. And the truth of the matter is, we know this, they're smarter than us. (laughs) So they're doing better on the entrance exams, and they're making more money than us. So should I be saying, that's inequitable, that's that's social injustice. I should be given a Harvard degree, even if I didn't earn it, and I should be given a job to make equitable pay. This is the kind of theory that's going on. So social justice, compared to biblical justice, is, is completely the opposite. Because biblical justice is equality, treating people as image bearers and treating your neighbor as you want to be treated yourself. It has nothing to do with equitable outcomes because there's a variety of reasons why we could have a different outcome. I might be born with a disability and never be able to have the same equitable outcome in terms of my vocation or work that someone who didn't have a disability would have, mm-hmm. or my education, my abilities. You know, I wish that I could throw the football like Tom Brady, mm-hmm. but uh, there's inequity there, yeah. significant inequities between Tom Brady and myself. You should have a chance to be a, a Patriots quarterback. Right? I, I should, <laughs> right? You know, right now they are in need. <laughs> I, I want to go here because we were talking about this beforehand as well. And I think this is important to point out that as Christians, we should be well aware of the fact that the cross really blew up this idea of racial justice, right? Because Jews and Gentiles at one point were divided and the cross connected Jews and Gentiles. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think the thing to keep in mind is that This whole idea of multiple races is artificial, it's arbitrary. Uh, Acts 17, when Paul was speaking to those in Athens, he says, listen, all nations came from one man. Okay, so all ethnicities, all races, they all came from one race, the human race. So there's not multiple races. Mm These are social constructs. These are artificial, arbitrary constructs that we put together based on there are different ethnicities. There are different languages, obviously. There are different colors of skin. But we're all one 
human race. So those are all artificial, the differences that we have between different colors of skins, different ethnicities, different cultures. However, the one you mentioned was not arbitrary. It was not artificial. It was one that God actually made. It was the greatest divide. It was between Jews, God's covenant people, and Gentiles. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, he says, we were without hope in this world. Now, the temple courtyard was set up in such a way that there was this vast courtyard where the Gentiles would stand. And then you go up from there and you had the court of women. Then you had the court of Israel. And then you had the holy place. And then inside of that, the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was Mm -hmm. and where the blood was sprinkled on the Day of Atonement. But truthfully, the Gentiles were so far away, we couldn't see what was going on. We had these walls. There were literal walls that were built that separated these different courts. Mm -hmm. And the ones that were furthest away, I mean, geographically, even if you wanted to worship Jehovah as a Gentile, we were the ones going, what's going on, guys? What's going on up there? Talk about an equity issue. (laughs) It was total. But when Christ died on the cross, there was this hostility between Gentiles and Jews. There was anger. There was lack of racial reconciliation. These were two races in the sense that God had divided them. He had his covenant chosen people and then the Gentiles. But in the cross, as you mentioned, that middle wall, we're told, was torn down and he made peace. That peace was not only between God and man, but it was between man and man. So now we have reconciliation between these great national divisions between Jew and Gentile. And it's the great demonstration of racial reconciliation is not something we need to seek. That's what we keep hearing with social justice. It's something that's already been accomplished. It was accomplished in Golgotha. It was accomplished at Calvary. It was accomplished on the cross. And now we have the ability to Jews and Gentiles worshiping as believers in a church. And we're told in Ephesians 3, that the angels look down with awe because they're like, they're getting along. Mm -hmm. There's Jews and Gentiles worshiping together. There's no more hostility. There's no more walls that divide us. We don't have to stay way out there in the courtyard. Hebrews says we can go with boldness right into the, the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. So you're exactly right. The great moment for a believer to realize this racial reconciliation, multiple race discussion is simply not true. There's one human race, there's multiple ethnicities, but even the ethnicities were reconciled at the cross. It's amazing how so much can just come right back to the gospel and what Jesus did for us. It can. So social justice, though, on the other hand, I mentioned the first thing they do, they try to identify disparate groups. So groups that are not having equitable outcomes. Mm Mm-hmm. But the second thing they do, and this is what we're experiencing in our culture and sometimes even in the church, is the blame game starts happening. So now somebody has to be the put to blame, feel the guilt for these disparities. So if there's any kind of difference in outcomes, we need to blame someone. And then we need to ultimately redistribute the resources. And that was the definition you gave. So you identify the groups, then you blame the, the oppressor, and then ultimately... You have to redistribute, and that's why you have books like 
um, the one that's written called Anti-Racism, is essentially saying you can never free yourself of being a racist. The only way you can try to redeem yourself is by being committed to anti-racism for the rest of your life. So it, it just continues to bring guilt. Another way of understanding this is basically what's happening is we are in the category of the oppressor versus the oppressed based on which category we're in. So just to review all of the various um, topics we've talked about in this series, if you are a male, you are the oppressor, and the female would be the oppressed. If you are cisgender, you are the oppressor, and the one who's transgender or having experiencing gender dysphoria is the oppressed. If you are heterosexual, you are the oppressor, and the homosexual is the one who's the oppressed. And it keeps going like this. Mm -hmm. So now we have disparity of outcomes, and so the ones that are the oppressors are the ones that are viewed as the oppressors in a society are white, so they're the majority. So now we're going to say the white are the oppressors, the black or brown are the oppressed, and so now we have teams, and we have enemies versus those that are the oppressors versus the oppressed. And that's exactly what we're seeing with the racial divide. Mm-hmm. And it, it really comes full circle. This is yeah. where we started with wokeism. This is where we end with wokeism. And I think the thing for the church, if I could say this too, Ryan, I think the thing for the church is for us to realize that spiritual warfare is not just you know demons and Halloween and Ouija boards. Their ideas... And the ideologies, Paul calls them to Timothy, he says there's some doctrines or teachings of Satan. And these ideologies that pit uh, people against people, that gender hate and strife and divisions and slander and envy, all those things James chapter 3 says come from Satan, come from the devil. They're not heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom is peaceable. It is. It seeks to have reconciliation. It seeks to have joy and harmony in relationships. And what we're seeing with social justice is everywhere it's adopted, it creates tension and hate and guilt. It doesn't produce what James says is really heavenly wisdom, peace and a harvest of peace and reconciliation and kindness and gentleness and love. And there's a big difference between biblical justice and social justice. I'm glad you summed it up that way. And I'll be honest, hearing how a lot of the stuff that we talked about early on with Nietzsche and Darwin and how all of that funneled through in each of the topics that we talked about. Yeah, it was just a a great ride. And I think hopefully our listeners got a lot out of this series in general. I know I for sure did. Good. I hope so as well. It's fun. Well, we have some great topics coming up. We're starting to get into the holiday season here in the next couple months. And so I know we have some fun topics. Why don't you give our listeners a real quick preview of some of those topics? We're looking forward to interviewing Alyssa Childers. She wrote another gospel. She's got a fascinating testimony about how, as a new believer, uh, she entered a discipleship class and found out she was in a very progressive woke church hmm. and that began to question foundational doctrines of the scriptures. And um, so she's come out swinging and she's a delightful person and I'm looking forward to us interviewing her. Yeah. So we'll interview her and after that, we're hoping to spend a little time talking about 
music and worship in the church. And uh, we're looking forward to an interview at the end of that as well. So, And then that'll lead us into um, Reformation Day, which is on a Monday this year. So we'll be able to drop an episode celebrating uh, Reformation Day, otherwise known as Halloween. Yeah. And I know music ties nicely into what we're going to experience during the holidays with worshiping our Lord with song and you know, obviously celebrating uh, Jesus' birthday. And aren't you planning on singing your favorite Christmas carol? <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> okay. Not My likely. Grandmother either. got run over by reindeer. <laughs> something that, like that. that. That one I'll sing. That's fine. <laughs> great. Well, why don't we uh, wrap here and we'll catch everybody on the next episode. My name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Join us next time for more scripture and plain reason. God's word is true. And God's word is clear. 